Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hi, everyone. So glad you could be with us today. Uh, We're going to talk about the long road, a.k.a. finding your beacon to help you guide the way in the long road. Yes, the road is long. The road behind me is long. The road ahead of us is long. And uh, I think that... Uh, today, it would be really cool to talk about uh, ways to deal with it and how to approach it and look at it so that it doesn't feel quite so overwhelming. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And my biggest way of doing that and what I've wanted to talk about on the show is um, finding your beacon uh, and kind of what that is and how to do it and why it helps you. Um, okay, but first we have Adventures in Screenwriting. Lorian, how was your week? Uh, it was, uh, you know, another week, uh, I'm going to keep it very focused on my writing this week because it was a strange week. Um, (laughs) um, I, uh, I gave some final notes, uh, for, uh, to a director who's working on a deck for a feature I wrote to finally, uh, send that out to try to get producers for it. So I wrote the script, uh, in 2017, speaking of the long road, and uh, uh, have a director attached, and now uh, he's working on the deck. So just some few little notes, and then hopefully that'll go out. So I'm really excited about that. And I have been spending a lot of time thinking about and reworking the opening scene in this pilot that I'm working on, because I want the opening scene to be something that you know, grabs the reader by the throat and doesn't let go. And that this is a script that I'm sending out to be read by producers or executives that like they can't stop reading it. So I can't have like a slow sort of lyrical lead in because that's not the tone that I want. I want it to be like, gotcha, right? So figuring out that what that is, is such a tricky balance because it's, you know, even if you're reading it, you're still imagining it that it's going to be on TV. So like, how does that work? And how far can I push it? And so it's messy. Um, But I'm having fun trying out all the different ways that could work. And I'm really resisting the urge to Um, when I write a scene or a collection of short scenes at the front to track it all the way through the script yet, because I haven't figured out what that scene is yet. Right. Right. So I really want it to feel solid before I start noodling with the next scene and making everything track, um, which is um, uh, restraint. And I uh, am bad at that. Right. I want to like I have this habit of, I wrote it, first draft, here, read it, track it all the way through, it's done, instead of really taking my time to let it sit, like you say, Meg, to let it percolate, to really like make sure it's it works before I start messing with things. Um, and so I'm working on that. And then also today, I'm finally gonna go through my email and respond to everybody who's been 
following up on emails that I have neglected to respond to and follow up on a bunch of stuff. So if you have sent me an email, I will respond at some point. (laughs) I just, it just got to the point where everything just felt, um, I really just wanted to work on my script. I really just had this need to like, all I want to do is hole up with the script and live in this world. I don't want to do anything else. So I like sort of neglected the business side of, you know, uh, what what's going on in the world, which is probably not the best thing to do. Uh, but this week I just needed to do it. I needed like a safe place because throughout all the changes in the world and in my life and being a parent and, and everything, there really is this sort of beautiful uh, spot I get to go in when I'm writing mm. that it shuts everything else out And especially when I already have a script that I'm rewriting and I'm sort of feeling that it's not like I'm not the beginning process. I'm not outlining. I'm sort of figuring things out a little bit more. There's more nuance than basic mechanics. So um, I'm just, and I'm enjoying that because I I feel like that doesn't happen that often where like I'm desperate to get back in and I'm finding good joy and healing in it right so that all of a sudden it's six o'clock and it's dark and I'm like what what's happening and it feels so healing and I haven't looked at Twitter and I haven't looked at Facebook or I haven't (laughs) answered my emails but so you know always for me it's a balancing act and I always seem to be going one way or another right like only looking at my email and dealing with the business or only writing so you know and I'm I'm sort of reached an age where I don't know that I'm ever going to fix that. It's just about managing it. Yeah. Managing it. You know, it's just so different how writers are different. Like you're so happy to go back in and rewrite and get in there to, you know, what's already written. Whereas I really prefer blue sky discovery curiosity. And now that I'm at the point where it's like, okay, here's the lump. Now let's dig in like, execution either of scenes themselves to help you discover the character and the story or larger th- I, I just uh, you know so Meg how was your week speaking of okay so my week um you know it's 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 very much a writer's week in terms of um having um I'm gonna call it the lump and going in now and really having to see the problems and fix the problems and it's that point where I really was happy with the act one. I thought it moved well. I thought it read well. I thought it was fun. I thought it does, you know, it's got all it needs to do. But then when you really look at the whole, you're like, yeah, no, it's not working. So the one act that I was like excited about, I have to blow up. (laughs) And it's just, you know, it's tricky because I don't, I think I have these intellectual answers, but then when I try them out, I'm not sure that they're really working because oddly that intellectual part of your brain that comes up with the analysis and the answer it's just not holding the depth and layers that the creative side now will take on so I'm just in that balancing act you know and you know in terms of craft I have an act one that's just way too long it's just way too long and uh if to get everything in we want it's just way too long so it's how do you find that economy to you know you can't ever just have a gag or a moment. It, it has to be a gag. That's a moment. That's character. That's plot. It, it, those act ones have to really layer up so much. And I understand that you know when you're in the lump stage, no act one is going to be that. And part of it is letting my brain have such a long act one so that I can, you know, my brain keeps telling me go to the end of act two. Like 
go go higher, go higher because uh, if it shouldn't be this hard is all I keep thinking. Like there's something too hard about it. Um, so I just keep, but but I have to just kind of try to, I'm, what I'm doing is what I always do. And I'm like, I think I'm on version E this morning. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like I have now version E in which I'm just going to try some wacky stuff. So um, I'm down in the trenches of that. And in terms of craft, I will just say exposition is hard. I hate exposition. It's so yeah. hard. Act ones can get so loaded with exposition. And, you know, I do remember, I understand saying once, you know, you know, it's always better. It's always best if you can keep exposition active, you know, like there's sharks chasing you while you're giving exposition is going to be much more fun or dramatic or interesting or compelling than somebody sit there and just have a conversation about an exposition. Um, can the, I'm looking, can the character's personality, you know, Dory giving exposition is going to be much more fun or interesting than just a straight man giving exposition. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of looking at those things and how much do we actually really need to give, right? Like how much, how many of the rules and the crap do we really actually need? And that is just kind of a trial and error. Uh, of, oh, no, we really didn't need that or we don't. And then I just wanted to talk real quick about my week in terms of the life of a screenwriter, that kind of business of the writer versus the purity of being a writer and how, you know, it is just a constant juggling act because, you know, the purity of being a writer, I'm reading the book that George Saunders just um, came out with called um, A Swim in a Pond in the Rain. And it's all about how he teaches writing. So it's really about how to write now it's how to write fiction to be fair but it's just really interesting always to get somebody's perspective especially an author that I admire so much and you know we have this idea of purity that we're going to sit down and pour it out you know and like we're working off of inspiration and organic feelings of writing you know he's talking about it's sentence by sentence and you know, that if you just let it go and let it roll and don't try to stop it, it you'll find surprises, right? And there is a definite need for that um, in our process as screenwriters. We have to be able to have that flow to surprises, but there's also the practical business side of it, which is constantly interrupting my brain in terms of, okay, like in development, you're going to have phone calls, well, now Zooms, where all of these people are going to throw out their ideas, right? Uh, executives, the executive of the, the, the executives underling executive, you know, everybody has ideas about what this is. So that's already starting to, in terms of that quote unquote pure thing. And that's just the business that we're in. That is, that's the form that we're working in. Those, those things can be great, right? They can be inspiring, um, they can also be distracting. They can also be like from your own pure state, right? There's the writing of it where I now have all those voices in my head and I'm worried about the trailer moments. And, you know, in animation, if you're doing animation, will somebody want to draw this? Can, can this be drawn, right? Like, so that's all moving around and all very necessary to ask, but hard to be in that pure moment and find surprises when those things are chattering away. Um, you know, and, and at some point in the writing process, I just have to pretend that it will be done as I've written it. That at, you know, that it will actually be executed as it is in my head. Be that animation or live action, right? Because either way, you're seeing something in your head, you're experiencing something, and you're writing it down. You're in that flow that George Saunders is talking about, and it 
you know, if you're a novelist, that's it. What you wrote is it. And you're going to ask people to go down into those words and have that experience, right? But as a screenwriter, that is not it, <laughs> right? Like, because now if you're super lucky and it gets made, it is not going to be what was in your head. No. Even if it's really, really close. And even if you really worked closely with that director, even if you got lucky and got to be on set or, you know, in animation, you got to go all through the story notes, you got to be an edit, whatever, right? It's still not going to be what's in your head because it can't be because it's not a novel because it is theirs now. It is that director's now. It's going to be what's in his head. It's going to be what's in her head. And that's beautiful. I'm not saying that that isn't amazing, but there is then this other thing at the very end of this road where the dissonance between that pure experience and now what is being put out to the world is just it just is what it is there is a dissonance there and you have to uh and now listen sometimes it's better than what was in your head (laughs) don't get me wrong don't get me wrong it's not like what was in your head was always the best often it's better right i mean a dissonance from what you saw when you first sat down and had that pure experience of writing, had that pure moment. Now, again, I don't know about TV. I'm not going to talk to that because I've never been a showrunner at IE had that experience all the way through of my original vision all the way out to the show. I would think as a TV showrunner, that would be more your vision. And, and, and it's evolving, of course, as you're going, you know, nothing is ever as quote unquote pure as when you first sat down and, and let it come out in that blue sky moment but hopefully it's evolved to be more of what you want. Um, I, I, you know, when I was uh, uh, studying playwriting, I was really taken by playwright Carol Churchill and her strategy is she would write a play and then I think this was in the sixties and she had a group of actors and directors and they would workshop the play and, you know, each actor would bring questions and sort of different lines. And so when I had my first play up, I sort of, uh, try to emulate this. And for me, it wasn't so much dissonance as, um, I mean, yes, there was a dissonance there, but it added so many layers to my work. Like all of a sudden the actors, you know, very practical things like, where do I go when I leave for 10 minutes? So I'd be like, oh, right. I have a plot hole, you know, or, you know, actors bringing so much of themselves to the role that I could write for that actor. And the director, I was very clear that like the director was the one communicating with the actors and I would just sit back and take notes and um, but it was such a really cool experience. And I sort of hope and imagine that running a TV show is like that, that my vision, I can sort of show up with it and then it gets added to and will be pushed and pulled and stabbed and everything, but, <laughs> right. you know, and, it, you know, fall apart, but that, that it's the, that, that sort of collaboration, which experience that Pixar, right. Which I'm experiencing with this director on, on the feature that I so hope that that's, what it can be, like what it is at its best. Yes, of course. And yeah, for sure. We want it, it, the process itself will hopefully and often make it better. Right. And uh, though as a writer in features. Right. It's different. It's a little different because you're not the director. Right. And it is a director's medium and uh, you know, but this discomfort I feel is also good because it is what helps you set your beacon, right? Like some writers, this discomfort is there, but they, they, that's it. Like this is what they want, right? To be writing and have a director do it. Um, but for me, it's starting to not feel as satisfying. 
Hmm, interesting, Meg. So, interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh, you know, it helps you know who you are and what you want. And, uh, you know, just, you know, always relooking at that. And, you know, the last thing I'll say in terms of, you know, I, I, I keep a little email of my week because uh, I sometimes we get to Friday and I'm like, I don't what happened this week when I'm coming on here. And I wrote down and I don't even remember writing this or what was happening to me. But I wrote, you need to find your sliding scale of success. Like, what is success for you? Um, because certainly your beacon helps inform that, right? Are you closer to your beacon? Are you further away? We're going to talk about that. Um, I, I'll use animations because it's the easiest metaphor to use in terms of this. But, you know, if you go into a screening, right, it, it, you know, the, the best success, quote unquote, would be, this is the best first screening we've ever had ever, right? You know, that's, of course, what you want to hear. Right? right. But generally, it's more like, hey, good work. I like this part. You need to reimagine this. You know, let's think, talk about the stuff that doesn't work. You know, the worst thing that could happen in that first screening is, OK, this doesn't work at all. You're not the right writer for this. You know, uh, you know, let's just go into those anxiety projections of you're fired. But, you know, then I'm like, but is being fired always the worst thing yep. in terms of that sliding scale success? Like I did have an experience in my career in which I was so deeply unhappy on the project. I mean, deeply, deeply, deeply unhappy and had some really crappy things happen uh, in which I was being manipulated and sacrificed and it was pretty bad. Uh, So the day I got fired was literally one of the best, it was the best day on that project (laughs) because I felt released from uh, this really not good situation. Um, and yes, still the ego hurts from being fired and it hurts like hell. Like there, you know, I'm not gonna tell you that it doesn't, but it, it's not always, in terms of that sliding scale of success, I think it was successful choice to get off of that uh, thing, right? Yes. This, this hell train. Um, so it's really like finding your own definition of success yourself and sometimes there are days uh, where it's like well I wrote today I don't I literally said to my husband the other day I wrote the same scene so many times and I feel like I'm exactly where I was at 9 a.m which of course I'm not but that's how it feels um and but I wrote today right I don't think the seasons are successful yet I don't think uh I'm there I'm off you know track in terms of my timing and my calendar that I've given myself right but I wrote today and that has to be my sliding scale of success for the day. Yes. No, I think that's really important. And that what we always talk about, I think, on the show is even if you feel like you haven't gone anywhere in eight hours or 12 hours of writing, you really have. Because if you hadn't written all that stuff all that day, you'd have to write it tomorrow in order to get it out, to get through it, to do all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it, it just writing. writing. And how about that the day, the eight-hour day of writing was to discover this problem? Yes. Like, oh, there it is. It's much more clear now. That is successful. I know it doesn't, it sounds like failure, but it's actually the opposite. That is successful to have figured out with clarity and to see it. Okay. I don't know that this is going to work. Now that may mean the next day you go to your co-writer, you go to your director, you go to your friend, uh, you know, Lorian and text her and say, I need you to read something or whatever. You might need now outside views because you have so clearly, fa- you know, you might need a spitball, like you said, like you were talking about the plays where people bring things yes. to you and they start asking questions and you can start to see the solution. Yes. Um, 
and that is also just, you know, defining your own needs there. But so that's, that was my week. I'm, it, it's not a bad week. It's just kind of like moving through tar a little bit, you know, it's just, uh, it's, uh, I want more of that wonderful inspiration and, and, uh, the stuff that, uh, George Saunders is talking about, but not there <laughs> not this week, but you're getting there. You'll get there. It, it is. I mean, I think we've talked about this a lot too, like managing that disappointment, the struggle of it. Like you're not where you thought you'd be. You thought you'd be delivering a script on X date, but you're just not there and how to negotiate for more time for yourself. And, or like we pitched quality. this and it sounded so good in the pitch, but then when you try to actually go lay it into a script, you're like, Oh my God, right? <laughs> I don't and know I, if this works at all. And I had that a lot these last couple of weeks. Like I kept working through it in my head, you know, oh, it's going to be this. And then when I sat down to write it, it was like, that's no, like, no, either it took 15 pages to get there or it was over in half a page. It's like, okay, no, there, I need to write it. I need to do that thing where I'm just writing and writing and typing out conversations. And, you know, I, but I love that. I mean, that's my jam. I can just have characters talking and people go out to dinner and everyone's talking and, you know, somebody throws something like I just, you know, and then I get to the very end and I'm like, Oh, that's what the scene is about. And it's like the last actual line of dialogue after 45 pages. I'm like, aha, but you know, I'm, you know, but then I've written 45 pages and I'm like, but I love all this. And I have to, you know, yeah, that's the trick. Yeah. yeah. That's the trick. Yeah. So restraint and discipline are what I'm always working on. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> Balancing act. I'm wobbly all the time, but your week sounds good. I love that question of how do you define success? And I think that's so hard as a writer, as a screenwriter. It's a sliding scale. It's a sliding scale, man. It's, uh, it's, it's shifting. Uh, Where we look at these hugely successful TV showrunners with these massive overall deals. And we're like that, that's success. But is it, are we, is that a reality? Is that worth having it as your beacon? It like, what is real success? You know, what, are, where and what, are you and what are the stages of that? Yeah. You know, this, you know, I, I know every showrunner, no matter how big and fancy they are, didn't had moments of setback and confusion and doubt and everything that everybody else is having. Yes. Um, all right. So Jeff, do you want to talk about the show? Welcome first I do. Um, first of all, that was really beautiful conversation between you two. I just feel like I pull so many nuggets every week when you all talk about your process. So thanks for sharing. Thank you. Um, because I was like, oh my God, am I just <laughs> complaining? Am I just like... No, no, no. It's, I mean, as you'll see in these reviews, it's the thing that um, really motivates and inspires our listeners um, is that honesty and that vulnerability and the lava. So thank you for sharing. And we have two, I mean, we have a bunch of reviews, but I'm going to read two this week that are just really well-written. Of course, these podcast reviews come from your audience. And when you guys hop on Apple podcasts and give us those five-star reviews, it really helps the show and it really helps spread the visibility of the show. So this comes from Michigan writer, uh, one I'm just reading the date. That's so funny. My brain farted. I'm going to cut this from the show. No, you're not. <laughs> No, you're not. <laughs> All right, I'll leave it because we're human and we make mistakes. <laughs> Meg, I have right. to ask, this is a Michigan writer. Are we okay to read the uh, review anyway? You know, we're both from Ohio. Oh, yes, absolutely. Let's go. Okay, Hi, okay. What's, that? what's Michigan and Ohio? I, you know, it's a sports thing. 
I'm not oh, super into sports, but apparently no. we're not supposed to like each other. <laughs> is I, no. lived, I lived both places, so. Okay, fair enough. I actually do love Michigan. All right. Um, he or she says, this is the best uh, screenwriting podcast available. The podcast is absolutely unbelievable. What an honest look into the life of being a Hollywood screenwriter, including the victories, the hardships, and everything in between. I never miss an episode, and I've gone on to recommend this podcast to several writing colleagues. Meg and Lorian feel like friends and mentors I have known my whole life. The vulnerability and genuine reflection on the writing process is second to none. As stated in every week's opening, they truly make you feel like you are not alone. Yay, so nice. So nice. Um, shout and- out to Grand Rapids, where I went to sophomore year of high school, and shout out to Detroit, where I spent my summers after college. Nice. And I'm going to shout out Ann Arbor, which is just a beautiful Ann town. Beautiful. Um, okay. Next we have this um, from Acorn. I love it's A with an initial and then Corn is the last name. So if that's really your name, I'm obsessed with it. Um, <laughs> he or she says, this is the best screenwriting podcast ever. This podcast is so helpful. Lorian and May give such great advice. Sometimes I resist listening because I know I'm going to learn something big and I will have to dive back in and make scary changes. I realized today that yes, the big changes I made to my beloved script did make it quote worse, but that is normal and good and a part of the creative process. I reopened said script today and I feel exhilarated, scared, but buoyed up by Lorian and Meg's sage advice and determined to wrestle in the lava. This Yay! podcast is gold. Thank you. Thank you. Huzzah. Oh, no. Yeah, huzzah. I know it's so hard when it gets worse. <laughs> Wait. Second screening, every Pixar movie, right? Second or third, you get the old, well, we've gone backwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's the old, just put it back. Just Yeah, J-Pivot, just put it back. But congratulations for getting through that stage. It's a stage stage it's a stage yes um as i tell myself that today (laughs) (laughs) oh well um all right our topic for the day is the long road aka find your beacon um now lorian the long road was your idea for a topic was it it was oh no um that that means you must begin (laughs) um i feel like like i said in the beginning it feels like a long road when I look back and when I, I look forward and I think it's scary, you know, I'm not young, I'm not, you know, in my twenties. So the path forward feels like there's an end to it. So my long road, I feel like I'm in the middle of it. And that feels like a lot of pressure, right. Mm -hmm. To sort of get organized, to get focused. Um, But at the same time, uh, part of the reason I want to talk about this is a lot of things in Hollywood take forever oh my god you guys can't even imagine how long it takes i was just talking to my my manager about this he's like, like everybody said, I, thinks that there's this kind of overnight sensation he's like never no. it's never true because never. that person has been slogging for years yes writing for years and then all of a sudden they quote on hit and everybody's like where they come from yes yes you know i mean so- i mean the project that i'm doing with jonathan fernandez who was a guest on our show I checked the email that I, I sent to him saying, hey, look at these, this piece of property, this video game. Why don't we do this together? Was in 2018. Yeah. And we are writing our second draft for yes. the buyer. Um, it takes a long time. And it takes a long time for a creative process, of course, for us to come up with the pitch and 
you got to go pitch it, then you got to go out and do it. And then you got to, now you got it. Now you've got a buyer. Now you've got a producer. You got to do the producer's notes and that producer wants to go to the studio and the studio wants their notes and blah, blah. Like there's so many um, steps in the process of this road um, that there's a practical side to it that, you know, when I came to Hollywood back in the stone age, there was this idea that you could sell a spec script for a million dollars and have it made. Right. I don't, know that that's happening that often anymore it's certainly not a way to plan to make a living you know you're gonna it takes a while for the money to come in and I think it's why just in terms of the like business affairs takes forever it takes months and months and months of contracts going back and forth now every once in a while you can light a fire under people's bottoms when you say things like my health insurance with the WGA is going to run out. So could you please get this going? People do tend to go, oh, like, it's not like they're bad people. They're just really busy, right? Yeah. So you can light fires under people for legitimate, um, but pretty much it's a long road to get anything done and yeah. get that paycheck in your hand. It's why I always, always have multiple projects, even now as a professional writer who's quote unquote made it, because like I want to take some time off. I'm very tired. Um, and I, I'm doing this last push with this um, project. Um, well, it's not the last push of the project, but I'm doing this project and it's a, a big project. But after it's I'm done with it, I'm really talking to my agents about, I need to take a break. I need to rest. I need to allow this thing that we were talking about, the the purity to come back. And what do I want to talk about? What's my own thing, right? I, I need to do that. Um, but to do that, I know that when I come quote unquote, back, it's six months to a year before I see money. So oh, yeah. I have to plan and I have to save to, in order to take this break because that's just, that is just how it rolls. So if you're a new emerging writer coming into the business and you know staffing on a TV show, of course, is a different road because you're going to get a weekly paycheck for a certain amount of time. So that's always a little bit more solid and um, but you have to prepare yourself for having other jobs as you get your, your writing up and going, or maybe you have a partner or maybe you saved your money or it's just, it is something to think about. And there, there's a practicalness to the long road that I want people to be real about, um, in terms need, of yeah. just the practical business side of it. And you need a paid. strategy, right? You have you to have a strategy, strategy to get through the short term and the long term. So when I, was like fully committed to being a full-time writer, you know, sold a show. Oh my God, look, it's happening. And then nothing happened after that. So it was like, okay, what are my skills? What can I do? Right. So I did consulting for studios. I worked with writers, you know, I sort of used the skills that I had um, in order to make a living while I figured out how I was, what my beacon was, what I could write, you know, sort of figuring out all the ways that I could make this work long-term and not and just be like, I sold one show. Yeah. And there's plenty of young people who are assistants and they're mm -hmm. writing at night. And that's the, you know, that's the Lynn, the Lynn, uh, that's the Hamilton version where you have to pick the writing if you're not working, right. It might mean you're not, you're not going to parties or whatever, because it's all going to be on your own time. And that is part of that long road. Um, I do think when you're on it, both from a, you know, an emotional, spiritual part of the long road where you wake up one day and you're like, oh my God, I'm still here. I'm still standing on this rock and look at all the rocks I want to jump to. Um, 
And yeah. look at all the rocks that are already made it across the finish line. That right. part hard too, where you're like, right. wait, like my, wait, wait, yeah. you know, right. Like my friend. Yeah. What about me? Right. Um, I, I do think that, um, it's, it helps. I know it helped me when I was an emerging writer to really sit down and I mean, have a really good think about it, maybe ponder it for a couple of days and, um, write about it, journal about it, see it visually. Where do you want to be in 10 years? Um, what's the dream? What's the dream? Um, I call this the beacon because it generally is quite far away. You know, from where you're sitting, this beacon is like a lighthouse on the shore and you're way out at sea and you can just see a little pinprick of light, right? But you know, that's the direction to go. Um, you know, mine for me was after I gave up producing and I'd had my two babies and it really would have been easy to give up, right? I decided that the best storytellers that were going and happening were at Pixar and that I wanted, I heard about the brain trust room and that these amazing big brains, story brains would look at your work and, and take, and, and, and analyze it and, and, and help you and also take it apart. And I decided that is the scariest, most exciting thing that I can imagine. So the beacon didn't become just go to Pixar and be a writer. The beacon didn't just become sit in that brain trust room. Like I imagined that room. The beacon became that knife edge of feeling accomplished because you got in the room, but also it's going to evolve you. This beacon is gonna now evolve you on in your quest in your writing quest. So I think the best beacons have a little bit of that knife edge, if not a lot of it, you know, versus I want to win an Academy Award. Okay. I mean, if that's, if that helps you get up every day, but it just feels a so far out of your control to win an Academy Award, right? Because even if you get nominated, like, I don't know, you wrote animation, they don't watch it. A lot of people don't watch it. You know what I mean? So whatever, it feels like an outside thing versus an inside thing that you could accomplish yourself for your writing, for the kind of writer you want to be. So I did accomplish it. And then I got out of Pixar and I was like, oh my God, I, I think I had this conversation with you, Lauren, like, is what, what's my beacon? And I've had this kind of broad kind of like, I want to run my own show, but it really hasn't been working for me, honestly. It's not been helping me stay focused. And I'm just realizing it's because I'm not specific enough. I was just going to say, you can't just say, I want to be a showrunner. Right. You have to say like, what kind, how do you want to be a showrunner? What do you want to learn? Like, what is in it for you? Like, where's your growth potential in that experience? Like what you're saying. And who do you want around you? You yeah. know, like I want to show that in, is in this genre. You know, this is why I said masterpiece <laughs> theater to you guys, you know, and who I want around me and what I want that show to kind of do for the world and how I want it to ripple. And um, now I have found one or two things that I actually want to put these things in the world. Again, it's not a straight line to the beacon ever, ever, ever. Like you're going to do things and you're going to be wondering, why am I doing this? Why am I over here interning at this production company and doing the dishes? This is not getting me closer to writing. Well, it's not in terms of the actual writing, but it is because there's coverage all around you. You're list you can sit in on story meetings and listen to how they think. You can be reading different drafts of scripts. All of that is going to help your writing. It's helping you in the business because people are noticing that you're the only intern in there doing the dishes. They're noticing that you are a self-starter that you are, you know, they don't have to ask you for things or whatever, right? So 
that helps your that helps your career too because suddenly they might be willing to read something for you because you've given so much to them. So it's never a straight line necessarily to your beacon, but as long as you hold it in your heart and set it as an intention, I think it can really help keep you when you get to those moments on the long road where you're tired and you feel like nothing's working and other people are ahead of you and you don't have the, even the strength to look back and see how far you've come to remember your passion, to remember your love, to remember what you want to give to the world, because this isn't ultimately just about you. It's a, you're a writer, you're this sacred uh, conduit for the universe. It's chosen you. You need to get up and keep going. And if that means put that script aside for a while and move to something else, that might be, that might be, you don't know. It might be hang in there. Like you're experiencing Lorian where you're like, go, and I'm experiencing go again, go again. You know, it feels like, <laughs> like, you know, some yep. sort of athlete, right? Go again, go again. And it is my, so my brain is so tired at the end of the day. Like I've been lifting weights because I have to write the scene again, write it again. I mean, how many times Lorian did I write scenes in inside out the first movie? Oh my God. <laughs> Let's see. How long was I working with you on that? <laughs> oh my God. The same scene hundreds of times. Year, year, year and a half, two years. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you can get in those moments where you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> yes. But yeah. remember the beacon, remember the ripple, remember it being received by another human and what you're experiencing and how you're going to evolve. And, and um, go ahead, Lorraine. I think what Jonathan said when we interviewed him, like sometimes there's going to be a year where you don't make any money. And I have lots of projects going, not- Well, I think anybody in the business knows that writing or any artistry, there are there are dry spells of economics because it percolates, man. It, it cooks, it has to cook and- Yeah, so me having the, I'm really focused on my beacon, right? And I'm really trying to get there. But the reality of my daily life and looking at my bank account and like trying to figure out how to hustle is but it is, is a hard. hustle but i gotta say that and that's something for especially the the younger writers coming in and i don't mean again age i mean emerging you know it is a hustle and that can be exciting you know i've got a mentee who she is hustling man as a writer she is meeting other writers she is meeting executives and i don't mean like in those general meetings i mean she's hustling in an excited way to get to know people because she knows she needs contacts, right? And she's writing her butt off. She is right. She's like, I think on her third pilot spec because she's learning every time she writes them and because she's got to have this list of things to go out with, you know, you're making, you know, so it is a hustle and there, there is a, a bet of, you got to put yourself out there. You know what I mean? You got to be on your own and you got to be writing, which is putting yourself out there emotionally as a creative artist. And then there's the hustle on the other side of knowing people and knowing the business. And you have to have both sides on this long road. Um, and like you said, Lorian, have a strategy. What is your strategy? Just think about it. Because here's the thing. If you're just bumping along, right, waiting for someone to walk down the road and say, you're a writer or say, I pick you or say, I give you permission to be a writer. That person is not coming. That person might've been an English teacher when you were young. You might've had those people in your life. I'm so glad you had them. But as an adult in this business, it is all self-motivation. It is about, you, get, you do get great feedback, right? Because when you do the hard work and you give it to people and they say, 
oh my God, I like this, or you write like this. That's good. You get that. But guess what? Now you got to go back and do it again. So you, I love it ultimately, even though I know today I'm talking about being tired, but that happens. I do love it. Like I say to you, Lauren, like the, my best, my worst day of writing is still better than my best day of being a producer because I'm in the pool I'm supposed to be in, but it is a self-motivating thing. And I want you all to not hear this as kind of a weight, but as opportunity, because as it's self-motivating so you can do it. You don't have to wait for anybody. I mean, I do feel sorry for directors on the road because you need a whole crew. You need a script. You need equipment. You need actors to in order to do your stuff. That's a, you know what you guys need as writers? Your computer, right? You can do it. Like it is self-motivating, but we can do it. And the other thing I want to remind people on the road is it's a practice. Writing is a practice. By definition, that means you're not a master of it yet. By definition, that means the, the practice is what you can control. I, I cannot control that this scene is going to work or not. I'm working and working and working on it. But what I can practice is that I'm doing it, right? Pra a practice is a commitment without guarantee. There is no guarantee to the practice, right? But there is... It is the practice gives you something back every time you do it. And I know some of you might be like rolling your eyes like, oh my God, what to give it back? Well, it did. Think about what it gave you back to sit there and write that scene and have that script in your hands and get that feedback. It To me, it's still a beautiful creative experience every time um, and that you're going to be sharing yourself with the world, you know, because sometimes it's not even about you, this practice, this road. You got put on the road. Sorry, you're a writer. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I want you all who are afraid to step on the road, really, and who are going to maybe, you know, go off and do side gigs because you're afraid to step on the road. Just step on the road. Please step on the road. We need how, you. How important do you think it is to, you know, when we, when we first, you and I started first talking about that, it was very much like, okay, where are you now? What do you want to do? And what are the steps to get you there, right? Following a plan, right? And I feel like that's important, but also um, being flexible within it because you never right. know what's going to be something that change or, or, or being available to your beacon changing. Oh, the beacon can totally know? change. Yeah. Because you might get close to it and be like, oh no, I don't want to do this. You know, I really don't. Um, or it may not be time, right? I remember the first TV show I worked on the, the poor produ writing producer was running around with her hair on fire because there were so many problems. And I got to be the staff writer who just went into her room and closed the door and wrote my script. And I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> like, I don't want to be that producer with her hair on fire. I'd already been a producer. I didn't, at that point, that's the last thing I wanted was to be in charge. I'd already been a producer. But now all these years later, I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm ready to step back into that because I've been on this long road and I feel like I have more tools to use in the toolbox um, so it is, you, you're, you're moving and sometimes you need to take a job to make money, right? Oh, absolutely. You might take creative things. Uh, you might take a project on that you, that will be creative for you. You can give your whole heart to, but really it's, you need a paycheck and that's good too. You know why? Cause that paycheck is on the road to the beacon because it sustains you. If you need to take a job as an assistant, take it because that's also part of the road so that you can be earning money to sustain you for the long road. But when you're in the job as the assistant or whatever you're doing, if you don't have a beacon, you can really get lost there because they all have beacons to give to you. 
You know what I mean? Like they're going to start telling you what's important and what you need to be doing. And it'll start, start to feel comfortable. I know every time I have a bad writing day, I start going, maybe I should just go back and teach. And I don't mean, I mean, I just because I feel comfortable there. Right. I think teaching is an incredibly sacred, honorable uh, thing to do, but I've done it. Right. So I already, I already know how to do, I feel like I know how to do it. I can do it with my eyes closed. Right. I, it, it, it would be fun. I could be giving back because it'd be, and it'd be good. It'd be fun. Right. Right. And you, Lori just sent me a text today, but remember <laughs> you are a writer. Right. And I was like, right. Okay. I can't go off and teach. That's right. Not yet. Nope. Not nope. yet. You still, have, you still have stories to tell. I still have stories to tell. Can I quickly ask? Um, yeah. I feel like there might be writers who are listening, partially me included, who feel like they're comfortable with their decision to be on the long road, but other people in their life aren't, you know, they view that decision being on the long road as why are you putting yourself in this position? Why wouldn't you take an easier path? And how do you advise we kind of talk to those people? Well, you know, often those people, uh, and I don't know who you're talking about, so I can't speak specifically, but they don't uh, understand artistry. They don't understand the sacredness of what you've been chosen to do and what you get out of it, even if it's not quote unquote bags of money and accolades that the actual act of doing it is giving rewards. It's some, it's some, to some people that's, that's not a knowable, that's a strange thing, right? Um, so first it's just understanding. They may never fully understand it. Um, I'll tell you, my dad had no idea what the hell I was doing when I had a huge job in advertising in New York City. I was ready to go on and make oodles of money as a account supervisor. And I was having these huge interviews and I called them and I was like, guess what? I'm going to move to California and be an assistant for a dollar 50 at an agency. And he was like, what? He was like, Aren't you close to 30? And I was like, yep. He was like, going all the way back down to the bottom to start over in some industry. And I'm like, yep. He thought I was insane. Was it then, fear? Was he afraid? Oh yeah. I mean, I think, and he just thought something was wrong. Like it, it didn't make sense. It didn't compute. It didn't, it didn't compute to him uh, why I would do that. Um, but cut to uh, maybe eight years later, I guess about, he's walking down the red carpet because I'm nominated for an Emmy as a producer. And I literally turned to him and he looked at me and he went, okay, I get it. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't, he literally said, I don't understand what your job is as a producer. I don't understand what it is you do all day long, but okay, this is pretty cool. Like he, he just didn't understand it. So um, at some point I literally had to be, be okay with that, that he didn't understand it. And that there, I'm not going to say there was judgment about it, but he didn't understand it. Um, it's, and at some point it's my life. Mm-hmm. my choices to make my mistakes to make. And, you know, the first movie I showed him that I produced his response was, why would anybody ever make that? <laughs> that was his. Sorry. Result. I know that's painful, but it was painful at the time. It's not anymore. Yeah. They put um, that on the poster is the only question. <laughs> no, but you know why he said that? Cause it had a really sad ending and he did, he was a pilot. So he didn't like to emotions felt dangerous to him because when you're a pilot, they can be. And to him, to ask him to weep at the end of the movie, it's like, why would you do that? Why would you ask me to, to weep at the end of a movie? Like, it just, again, it just didn't compute in his life experience. So to him, his response is, why would you do that? Why would you make that? Um, 
I think what you I said, loved though, it that you cried at the movie. Like I literally was like, that is the best thing <laughs> ever. Right? Like we're like different plants. We grew in different sun and different soil. So some of it is just, I, I don't know that you're ever going to convince somebody else. It's just, to me, it was just coming to terms with that's okay. Well, that's I think okay. what you said, it's your life. Like this is your road. It's your right? road and they your really road. can't understand the road and you just have to find some sort of peace within yourself that they're not going to understand it. They are not going to. I know that that's hard, but they, they may not. They will someday, right? They will someday. Um, but uh, you have to make your own choices. I do think, and again, maybe this is because I'm a parent. You still, it would be good to have a strategy you could talk to them about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, my son wants to be a film composer and we have talks about strategy, about what does that mean and what kind of internships could you get and how would you get those internships? Like if his beacon is to be a film composer, and again, that has to get much more specific, but he's young, so I'm not asking him to get more specific. You know, he's first he was like, I'm not going to college. I'm going to go to Africa and I'm going to go to really dangerous places and discover new instruments. And I was like, or you could go to college. And uh, so it's a conversation back and forth. Uh, I know he'll do something crazy that I don't want him to do because that's what people do. And he's his own person on his own journey. But um, I'm always just asking him, well, what do you think about that? And what is your strategy about that? So I think if you could on this long road, talk to people who don't get it about your beacon. Listen, when I told people my beacon was to write a Pixar, they thought I was insane because they didn't even have very many writers back then. Like Andrew Stanton was the writer. Like it wasn't a thing. It wasn't a thing. <laughs> and yet I just wanted to get in that brain trust room. And so I would just let people, I would just shrug and be like, okay, I hear you. I mean, I didn't tell people who I didn't trust to, that wouldn't, that would, uh, you know, you gotta be careful you know, that you're not self-sabotaging and tell pe telling people your beacon who you know are gonna rip it down. But don't do that, right? Um, but if there are people who are close to you, parents, uh, siblings, best friends, just know that they're voicing concern out of love, out of possibly fear of their own choices they didn't make in their life, places they compromise that you're not, and that makes them nervous. That could all be unconscious, by the way. Um, and ultimately, you can love them back by saying, thank you. Thank you. Uh, here's my strategy. It has sense. Here's how I'm going to not, you know, I'm going to make a living and, uh, and I'm okay with it. And share, their, share your happy times with them doesn't have to be on the red carpet being nominated for an Emmy. It can be small things like though the, the joy of it, you know, this person read my script and they loved it. They need to hear that too, right? They need to hear not just the struggle, but the, but the good sides of it too. What, I, I'm talking too much, Lauren. What do you- what No, no, I think that's true. Like uh, my family who's always been uh, supportive, you know, you know, they wanted to know what my plan was, but they are baffled by my life and what I do like just baffled, <laughs> you know, they just don't understand. They're like, but what do you do all day? And, and, and they're trying to like quantify it in a way that they can understand and they just can't. And I just have to be okay with that. You know, even though I explain it to them what I do. And then they, then I, you know, read the email that like my mom has then sent to my aunt explaining what I do. And I'm like, that's not, that's not it. <laughs> you know, that's not how that works, but you know, but they're supportive, but they're still, they don't get it. And, you know, honestly, I didn't get it when I moved to LA and I'm still figuring it out. It's a baffling thing we do, you know, how it works, how it changes, you know? So it's, uh, I think finding those people that love and support you unconditionally and want to support you on your beacon, 
you know, even if they don't know anyone, but they're like your cheerleaders and supporting you. I that's think that's a really huge important. point. That's a huge point about the long road. You, you, when we talk about this a lot, and I'm going to talk, we're going to talk about it again. You have to find the people who understand it, even if they don't, they support you and they are your cheerleaders. They are the people reading the scripts. They are the people knocking you on your head to say blind spot, blind spot, blind spot, right? That's the artistry, right? Um, you do need that. Uh, and just know that certain people aren't going to be in it. Certain people aren't going to be in that crowd, the, the parents or the, or, mm-hmm. or whoever it is. Um, and understanding people's be- limitations too. Like my husband, you know, he, he moved to Los Angeles for me and he is San Francisco through and through. Like he worked at Candlestick Park, but he's giant, right? Like boo Dodgers, right? Like he does not love it here, but he moved for me, but he, he cannot read my scripts because they keep changing and it makes him insane. <laughs> you know, like last night I was like, okay, let me read this scene to you. And he goes, no, I don't want to hear it because you're going to read it to me. And then I'm going to fall in love with it. And then tomorrow you're going to rewrite it. Like he, I have to accept what his limits are, right? Like he will support me and do everything, but he just, well, he just, how scary yeah. that must be for him. Like he moved yeah. here. And you need to have a script in order to quote unquote, be successful, right? And there's an outside idea, right? And this outside idea of success that he moved here for, and you just keep changing it. Like, of course it would make it crazy. Yeah. And he's like, he's always questioning me on stuff like, like, well, why don't you send it out right now? I'm like, it's not ready. He's like, well, who decides that? I'm like me, I decide, you know, but he, it's so, he just, he doesn't get it and it's okay. Like I'm coming, like, it's okay. He's just not going to, but he's here and he does everything he can to support our life here, you know? So it's, it's a beautiful thing, except for when I get so angry, I have to walk away that he doesn't have it. That's every, that's every. Jeff, does that answer your question? Do you, Absolutely. And if it doesn't, you know, we can dive in. No, it really does. I think, I think it's well said. And I, you know, Lauren, I think the really great point you brought up was kind of adding people to your caravan on the long road, you know, even if, you're all headed to California and the gold rush may look different for different people. You need that caravan of people who can journey with you, I think is really wise. Yeah, for sure. Beautifully said. Oh, thanks. Are you right, do we have time for our question? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I want to say one more thing about the, you were talking about, you know, Meg about, you know, I want to win an Academy award and that's sort of an external thing. I do help it. I do think it helps as an exercise to help you identify your beacon, like be really specific. Like, do you win an award? What award is it? What, what is it for? So that you can sort of imagine you, like I've talked to writers who are really working hard on TV, but their dream is to win a, a best directing Academy award, you know, for film. That's, a, good, so that's like, a really good point. Right. So it's like, why aren't you then working on directing or writing to direct features? Right. So like, and it's kind of fun too. Like, what will you wear? Who's with you? Well, that's always good. And listen, <laughs> and when you lose, it's a really good motivator because you're like, oh, I'm coming back here. I'm going to be back here and I'm going to win. Um, right. But that's right, a really good helps. point. If, if it is an award, what's an award in? And then look at your life and, and say, what are the steps you're taking? Even small, teeny tiny steps to get there, right? Like yeah. if you want to be a director, what script are you writing for you to direct while you're writing the TV stuff? Right. Yeah. How are you finding people who could possibly crew for you or casting directors who could uh, help you get the, you know, what, what, what right. are you doing? Right. And um, it can be yeah. overwhelming, but it's also the fun part. If you just let it go and just let it be and breathe and <clears throat> be the dream, it's the dream. 
the big dream, the big, big, big dream. Like mine is to have an empire, right? Where I'm so successful that I get to help create everyone else's work too, you know, like, and I'm supportive, right? It, it might not happen, but that's what I imagine. I know what my office looks like. I know who's there. I know the kind of projects that I want to work on, you know, and, and bring into the world. So that's, you know, I spent a lot of time on Pinterest designing my office. I have to say, <laughs> but it gave me a great excuse not to work one day. And it was very soothing. And I discovered I like spaces with a lot of light and plants. Who knew? Who knew? That's really good to know. I love it. I love it. Any dream that helps you get up every day and write. That's yeah. a good uh, detail. Um, so the question today, what, what do we want to do for the question, Lorian? Well, uh, we get a lot of great questions to our Gmail account, and there's a lot of questions in the Facebook group. But a question that comes up again, uh, again and again, is talking about managers and agents, talking about representatives. I mean, I don't, I can't give anyone advice about how to get a manager and agent, but it's sort of like, if you if you are meeting with managers and agents, um, how does that, what does that meeting look like? Like, how do you prepare? What is the meeting? And I just you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I had to find a new manager. So it was all on half of it was in real life and half of it was in zoom and sort of working on, you know, what do I show up with? Like what questions to ask the rep and sort of what do I want them to know about me? And, um, you know, every meeting was different, but, you know, across the board, it was, um, Make sure you have a couple of other ideas to pitch to them, like log lines, right? Be prepared to talk about them, you know, make, make sure you don't have any, you know, boogers before you go in was always a good one for me, <laughs> you know, especially on zoom. I always pre-check myself on zoom, but like make sure you're presentable, um, physically, um, but all, you know, but be sort of the best version of yourself, but be yourself. And we've talked about this before, like, don't try to figure out what that rep wants and then mold yourself to it, but be wow. yourself, which can be really scary because the idea that you get a manager, an agent, and then you're made is just not real. No, it's like, not real. I'm, they're amazing people to have in your yes. crew and uh, uh, in your caravan down the long road, uh, yeah. but it is still self. It is still self-motivation. It is still you uh, yes. doing it. Um, and the difference, I think sometimes people get confused about the difference. You know, an agent um, really is and legally can be about the deal and finding them, finding you uh, potential jobs to rewrite, taking your spec out. Um, the best agents, and the reason I chose my agent over others is the first question he asked me was, what kind of career do you want? So his context was, what is your beacon? What is your dream? What is your desire? Where do you want to go? Because he believes that's what you'll do best. Mm -hmm. Versus I went in to do some interviews at bigger, you know, fancier agencies. And, the, and those agents mostly talked about themselves. And they mostly talked about their agency. And I realized, oh, you think I'm going to work for you. Mm. I'm going to work for this agency, right? And that just didn't line up with me. I want somebody who is asking those questions about what do you want? And every time we've had any deal or anything come up, it is always still the question he comes back to. Is this taking you where you wanna go, Meg? Is this taking you to the, you know, is this the career you want? And we recalibrate all the time, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, I, but really they are about creating that career, but also 
you have to sometimes find your own jobs. I mean, sometimes they, they like my agent, when, when, when one of my agents, Melissa said to me, okay, Captain Marvel. I was like, what me? Wait, I think, are you on the phone with the right person? Like, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I just come out of, off of Pixar. And I was like, what? And she's like, no, trust me, trust me. Just go in and have the meeting, just read the material. And it's cause she had a sense of me and she had a sense of what I do as a writer and that this is what they were looking for. And that that is for me, what a great agent does is they help you see things that are potentialities for yourself um, that are actually on your career track, even though you didn't see it yourself. Um, and then of course they're doing the deal and getting you a great deal. And they're the person protecting you and the one calling when, they're, when you need your check for healthcare or whatever, right? You, those are great people. The manager for me is more of the deep dive, right? My manager is reading my scripts and giving me notes and he's doing some of the strategy with me, either in terms of the politics I'm in or do I call, can I just call the studio or do I need to first make sure the producer's okay? Or, or usually with me, it's the opposite, which is Meg, you're too congenial. You're like giving way too many people access. Like you need to just like, um, you know, not worry about everybody's notes, which I do because I was a producer, Um, you know, so I do more of that stuff with him. Um, uh, so it, it's different things. I need both. And I'm sure there are agents out there who do those deep dives. I think most of them are pretty busy and what most agents get juiced off of the deal, making the deal. Nice. Um, not that they don't like to read. Of course they do. And they love creative, but I like having both. I mean, when I first came to LA, your agent was more like a manager and there was business affairs inside of the agency. So you played a flat 10% to all of those elements. That's not true anymore. Now you have an agent who's doing the deal and finding the gigs and, uh, and then you have the manager who's doing the deep dive and the creative, which is another 10%. And now you have to have your own lawyer. So suddenly there's a 25% fee right off the top, but it's a team that I like on my caravan with me. I don't think you have to have that. For all you writers who are like, I don't have an agent. Nobody's finding me jobs. And um, well, that's where we all start. And the truth is most writers I talk to um, say they get their own jobs. (laughs) You know, we're all out there. We're all out there doing doing the shuffle and and digging things up and churning uh, as well. Totally. Right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I've- And what you need to be in those meetings is yourself. Yes, you have to research them know who they represent, what that agency represents and, you know, but you're there to represent yourself and what your needs are. And you're there to make sure you like them yes. and what they're bringing to the table. So, um, you know, the best advice is what Lorian said to start. Don't try to be someone you're not. Listen, I, you know, I think you should, like, I like to wear identifying, like, I like to really dress like with my big rings and my earrings and my, you know, cause there it's very much who I am too. Right. Like I, I want to present how I am uh, physically. I don't try to wear a suit or, you know, worry about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, so be yourself. really. Yeah. I always like to wear my hair like very big and curly. Cause like I want, I take up space, <laughs> you know, I'm big yeah. and loud in the room. Like this is who I am. Like I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to pretend to be sleek when I am not I am frizzy and big and messy right like that yeah, be confident because people are attracted yeah. to confidence not arrogance nobody wants to deal with an arrogant person who's going to take you know a lot of work don't right. take a lot of work because you're very needy they're not your parent right 
and don't do the other arrogance. Uh, you know, just be yourself, be confident in your work and in your voice. And because that's what they're going to help. Uh, and be prepared to talk about TV shows that you love and movies that you love. Yeah, that right? helps them. What do you, they're going to ask, like, what do you wish you'd written? You know, that helps them know who you are, right? Yes. I always just say flea bag. Flea bag is the answer to everything. Flea bag, flea bag, obviously flea bag. <laughs> it's so perfect. You are, you are going to have your, your flea bag. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being with here with us again. Um, I feel like I was a little sleepy tired today, but You're you know, perfect. it happens to everybody. Um, please go to our Facebook page and our Gmail account um, so that you can contact us and we can, you know, keep up with what you need. And remember, you're not alone and keep writing. Thanks for tuning in to The Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash The Screenwriting Life or email us at thescreenwritinglife at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it. And not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship, and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.